Okay, welcome everybody to the Aligned Living Podcast. My name is Sophie. I'm your host, and I'm so grateful that you are here. If you are new to the Aligned Living Podcast, this is a space where we explore what it means to live an aligned life. We explore concepts such as yoga, spirituality, and self-care. And today I am very excited to be talking with a dear friend and colleague in the yoga and wellness industry, Ruthie Schwalbe. Welcome, Ruthie. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so excited. I it's love so chatting, fun. So, and I love yeah. <laughs> it's so fun to have you here. Ruthie and I have had so many conversations that could have been podcast episodes in and of themselves. So I'm excited to share some of that with you, uh, with all the listeners, that is. And I thought, Ruthie, to begin, I would love to know a little bit about how you found your practice of spirituality, your yoga practice, your breathwork practice, like what really got you on this path? Okay, great question. We can go so many ways with this. Um, What got me on this path or what brought me to breathwork is kind of starts from when I was a child. And when I was a child, I couldn't breathe through my nose at all. Oh my gosh issues breathing. I always had like broken blood vessels around my eyes. I always breathed through my mouth only. And I had asthma growing up. I had allergies. I was very like ill. (laughs) And as I got older and entered university, I started to have a lot of pain in my body and Hmm. I would go see professionals and sometimes get on medication or a puffer or this or that. And then it would always go away for a bit and then come back. And one year when I was about, I think I was 19, I met a friend in Halifax who asked me to go to yoga class with her. I was like, I can't do that. Like I physically can't, I'm just going to snore and like hork the whole time because I'm just so uncomfortable constantly with my breath and my body that I just can't be in a room that's like quiet and I need to breathe in because like I physically can't even breathe. It wasn't even like, oh, I can't move. Like I thought you had to be flexible to do yoga, which I also wasn't. And then I went and I met friends there and then I didn't go back for like probably almost a year or I don't know, seven months. I was like, this is really hard. It's not for me. And then I started to go back later on. I just like got into the community a bit more, started to go back and practice with a dear friend of mine. And the first thing that happened with me is my shin splints started to go away. Amazing. (laughs) I love that. And I was like, okay interesting like something is changing here something shifting what is this fast forward like 10 years (laughs) and I ended up um, I lost a lot of people dear to me in my life in the same year in around 2016-17 and then I did a yoga teacher training at that time almost to distract me from what was going on but in a way to bring me closer to what Mm -hmm. was going on and to myself and then I started teaching. And then through the group classes, I realized I wanted a bit more juice from this. And I wanted to go in and study more on like science based with breath work and awareness work and study with MJ Renshaw. Her Instagram's at Bing Method. She's one of my mentors. Love her. She has a very science-based background on how she teaches breath work, which answered all my whys. It's like, yeah, you do this pose, you do this breath, but in my mind, I'm like, but why? What's it doing for me? What's it doing to my body? Why am I practicing this? I don't like being told what to do and just to do the thing because I need to understand why and why it's good for me and all the things like that. And then I um, got hit in the head, got a really big concussion. Right. That really like stopped me from everything and allowed me to also go a little bit deeper into some practices with myself and by practices I don't necessarily mean I'm doing yoga or I'm doing breath work I'm practicing sitting with myself Mm -hmm. um, in very uncomfortable feelings and circumstances for a very uncomfortable amount of time right and in that I certain things started to shed and I felt me slowly starting to come out something else that helped me is the people. So Sophie, someone I spoke to a lot and worked with, and she helped. She was one of my practicum students at the beginning of Mm -hmm. me practicing and learning. MJ, my life coach, Taylor, I had like, I feel like I had a posse of like five women behind me Mm -hmm. that allowed me to come forward and slowly start to understand myself in this world in a way that just, I had more presence in it. I didn't really 
feel like it's like I had like it was a spiritual awakening or anything like that but it was like presence and then with that presence I naturally slowly started to grow into like a spiritual being or understanding we all are spiritual beings and understanding what my connection is to that and what that totally I think you hit on I mean so many amazing points there the first being about how you did your teacher training during this time that was really challenging for you. And I see a lot of people either coming to the practice of yoga or deepening their relationship with yoga because they are navigating a challenging time. That was also my experience. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like it is such a healing practice, not only physically, you know, for something like chronic pain or shin splints, but also more spiritually for these other circumstances that we navigate in our lives, many of which are out of our control. And then you also spoke to having this like posse of women behind you. And that just makes me think about how important it is to have like a spiritual support system and to have that support system when you're doing well, so that when you're not doing well, you have people and you have practices and places that you can turn to, to support you through those times. And, you know, sometimes we, we build that support system when we are feeling down, which is perfectly fine. Cause then we'll have it when we're back up as well. But I just want to highlight that for anyone who's listening and, and perhaps is struggling themselves that, There are so many people out there who can offer help and who want to help and have so many amazing tools to help like yourself, you know, Um, and just to remind people that they're not in it alone, because I think a lot, this path can feel very lonely, especially at first when you're just starting to navigate it. And perhaps you're just starting to have some of these awakenings. Mm, Yes. And I find in, if you're trying to either switch careers or just create new habits or patterns in your life. It's really hard to do that on your own because it's a new territory and you may not fully believe in what you're doing, like that you're able to do it. And having this like posse, like how you described that as the women behind me, they like were the mirrors that I could see myself and believe in myself through. Like Mm. it wasn't for these women and these people that I reached out and started to connect with. I don't think we can completely shift and bring ourselves into a changed state alone Yeah, Um, because we can't see ourselves alone. We Mm. see ourselves through people, which is why connection is so important. And which is why I think I reached for community in the hard times Mm -hmm. because I needed to like, see myself and have that connection with myself and with others and we only connect to ourselves with others and there's this um age like old story I don't know quote but it's longer than a quote that is kind of like goes I'm going to explain it quickly because I think it's really cool there's this man who decides he wants to be enlightened and like reach like the highest form of enlightenment and whatever so he goes and finds his guru. And he's like, I want to be enlightened. I want to be the most enlightened person in the world. Blah, blah, blah. And his guru is like, okay, go alone into this cave, meditate for seven years. Don't talk to anyone. Don't look at anything. Just meditate for seven years. And the man's like, okay. And he goes and he does this and he comes out of the cave and he's like, wow, I know all the answers to the universe. You are right. It's all within us. Like I am enlightened. Like I levitate, like whatever. And then he's like, I did it. Like I did it. Like there must, this is the end. Like there is no next. And the guru's like, okay, now go be in a relationship. Go be <laughs> in unity. And yeah. it's like, oh, like that's the point. Like when we're totally. alone, like it's like if a tree falls, if no one's around, does, it doesn't really fall if no one hears it. For like sure. We're existing and we have all these ideas and we're like expressing ourselves in the world. Is that really like affecting the world if we're not doing that with anyone or connecting that with community? Mm, that's so true. And it's like, we need more enlightened people in this world. We need more people on a spiritual path and we don't need them to be sitting meditating in a cave alone. We need them to be amongst the masses, connecting with other people, you know, being a living example of how healing is possible. Yeah. Like make mistakes in public. (laughs) Totally, totally. And learn from them and own them and grow from them. It also makes me think of the three gems in Buddhism. It's Buddha, Dharma, Sangha. So the Buddha would be like the teachings, The Dharma is your purpose, like what you are put on earth here to do. And then Sangha is that connection to community. And we really need 
all three of those pieces and anyone isolated from one another is incomplete, you know, um, it will always feel like it is lacking. And yeah, we're recording this podcast episode during the holiday season. So this is a time where often our spiritual, pra- our spiritual practices are, you know, put to, put to work and, and, and tested a little bit as we spend more time with our family or colleagues or whatever it may be. Yeah. This is the true practice. This is the time Like if you're wishing for or calling in more love or more like you want to feel more connected to yourself or you want to feel more peace or whatever it is, the universe or God, however you connect to it, is not going to fill you with these sensation. The universe is going to give you opportunities to express those things, going to be giving you opportunities to feel peace, to cultivate peace, to show love, to give love. And it's like when we're asking for all these things and realizing what we want and the opportunity, the real life happens. Sometimes we forget that actually like putting these ideas or things or feelings into practice takes a little bit of courage and it's, it takes us. Like we have to come into that and see everything that presents itself in front of us as an opportunity to live how we want to live, to express what we want to express. For sure. For sure. Big time. And it's so interesting too. I feel like you and I really reconnected before your accident when, when, like you said, I was your practicum student for these breathwork sessions that you were doing, which I want you to talk more about. And, and so it was really lovely to reconnect and then also, you know, be able to support you and navigate these, this last year with you. Um, And I think that before we talk about exactly what it is that we do, I think your experience, you know, although so challenging is also then like alchemized into something that will be of great service to other people. Like I think of so many people in my life who I can think of top of mind who have been struggling with a TBI or post-concussion post-concussion syndrome and these teachings, you know, that have been able to support you can, can be of such benefit to others too. So I'm just really excited for people to get to know you and the work that you do because it's all informed by your own lived experience, which is what I think just makes it so valuable and so potent. So why don't you talk a bit about the breath work that you teach and, and the services that you offer? Because I think they really are quite unique and it's not just a breathwork class, you know, it's not just a breathwork recording. It's, there's more to it. So I'm excited for people to learn about what that is. Amazing. Um, yeah. The first thing that was coming to mind when you just reminded me of my concussion is I, through my concussion, I developed like my ADHD went wild Mm. and I, Oh my God, even thinking about it, like the amount that breath work and meditation helped me heal that and become to a place where I can actually function. Like I was not functioning in Mm -hmm. a regular way before. Um, And like going through that and knowing people go through that, it's like, it's so intense because you can't see that illness. You can't see that injury. It's inside. Mm -hmm. And then just looking normal, but not being able to like, function like you know you are capable of it's just it's it's hard and my heart goes out there with everyone going through that because it's intense Mm -hmm. um so breath work I love it I love it love it because it's both a spiritual practice and so like biological as well like I love linking together spirituality and science something I like to always say is the highest level of education you can get um like accredited at a university is a PhD what is a PhD? It's a doctorate of philosophy. It's just like a non, no end. Like there's just question after questions, like the highest education you can get is philosophical. Mm. So like for me, linking science and spirituality, like they just go so hand in hand. And I love how they really weave and intertwine together. Um, And an example of what I mean by that is just speaking plain, um, simply of energy, how we understand things in physics nothing can be created nor destroyed like in the earth in our like existence and spiritually um I have a lot of I contemplate death a lot death a lot it allows me to stay really like focused and connected to my life and in death my mom always asked like do you really believe like people just go or whatever and I'm like well if in physics nothing can be created nor destroyed 
then nothing can ever leave. It just changes form. It's always mm-hmm. here energetically around us, whether it's like in a physical body or not, nothing can actually go away and mm-hmm. nothing that's ever existed doesn't still exist right now. And nothing that will ever exist in the future doesn't not exist right now either. So it's for me, it's like these two ways of thinking that just seamlessly keep flabbing and flowing in and out together. Cool. Um, with breath work, it's a physical practice that allows us to get really in tune with our bodies. So we're able to listen and hear what we need and where we're at in real time. Like you don't need to do figure out like, okay, what am I feeling this, that, like, it's not a lot of contemplation or thought it's, it's physical. So even if you just practice to begin with, just sitting down alone, silently, like maybe the thoughts in your head are like, this is kind of weird. Like, oh my God, I have all these thoughts. Oh shit. Did I take out the laundry? Like all these things are going to start coming in the thinking, the thinking and the thoughts those happen without your effort. It's like breathing. It's like chew or digesting. Like we do these things. Um, what's it called? Like there's a word for it. Automatically. Automatically. Whatever. Yeah. Um, thoughts are the same. We're always going to be thinking it just thoughts happen to us. Eckhart Tolle says this in his book, a new earth, which I haven't finished reading. Um, (laughs) and just understanding that allows you to just relax around the thoughts, like let them come, let them go, let them stay like whatever (laughs) you, where you're at, what's coming in. If you're dealing with a really difficult emotion or something's coming up from your day or in your life, what I like to do is I like to amplify that. I don't like to use breathwork meditation as a means to focus away from where we at or, t- or like distract us from what we're currently experiencing. So if you're feeling like shit and then you go to yoga class and after you still have to deal with the shit, I like to deal with the shit in the practice. And mm-hmm. right now I'm working with like amplifying emotions. So if anger is here, then we're amplifying that anger. We're allowing it to blow up a little bit and build and then try to feel where it is coming from. The breath will help you like the guidance of different types of ways of breathing to like stay with that and mm-hmm. allow that anger to continue to like swell. And then once we understand where it's coming from, it's a literal physical feeling of dissipation. Mm. It will go away. And it's not like everything's fixed in one class or session. It's like an ongoing practice. Yeah. And slowly these big feelings that come up that may feel uncomfortable, they're not bad. We're humans. We're here to experience every single emotion. We're not just here to experience the high frequency ones or the neutral ones. We're here to experience the entire wheel. That is what being human is here that is about, in my opinion. Um, like we're here to feel, like we're being totally to feel everything, but not get stuck in it. Mm, feel I the think- joy and know they'll dissipate feel the hard feelings and to know that will dissipate for sure. I think that's so important because I think in our culture, there is such a tendency to bypass feeling and, and the only feelings that are socially acceptable. I mean, just take a look at your Instagram feed are the positive or high frequency emotions, like you said, and I can see so many different ways in which this is hurting our, our North American culture. Like take, take our grieving practices, for example, right? Like grief is something that is to be tucked away in a corner. You only cry when you're alone. You know, you don't talk about your grief publicly. While in other cultures, grieving is an open and a communal based practice. And it's totally socially acceptable to be crying for a long period of time. And, and I just think that what our North American society needs is the ability to be with the feelings rather than just to bypass them and push them down because we're already pretty good at that, you know, and like it's causing a lot of um, like disharmony and illness in people's bodies just because we're just suppressing, suppressing, suppressing. And I'm guilty of this too. And 
the, the breath practice is just such a safe and contained way to experience certain emotions like anger, like you were talking about, like, this is a healthy way for me to feel my anger that isn't going to cause anybody else harm. Right. But mm-hmm. anger left unchecked oftentimes does cause harm to people. So it's so important just to have these safe contained spaces where we can explore the whole spectrum of being, of being human so that we don't allow ourselves to kind of fly off the wheel and just be a total victim or a total, um, yeah, I guess victim to whatever we're feeling really. Totally. And I find to some people or sometimes like we don't want to feel like the whole feeling that we deem as negative when it's not, it's just an emotion because we're afraid like what that will will feel like it hurts. It's painful, but then in not feeling it or expressing it even to ourselves or with someone professionally or a friend, um, we're allowing it to stay there and like build a little home and then taking up space that when the next emotion or the next thing comes into our lives, we can't fully fill ourselves up with that because a part of us is still stuck with that old emotion in there. And we haven't looked at it and we haven't dissipated it. And eventually mm-hmm. these things that stick, they will in time cause a little bit of um, chronic pain or discomfort or a change of breath. Um, which is why I go back to breath work of allowing it to show you the map of what your body's experiencing and where you're at. Um, biologically, when you breathe, I like to uh, only cue and guide breath work through the nose. Sometimes I'll do a little bit of mouth for exhaling, but most of the breath work through the nose and I cue diaphragmatic breathing. So it's like just around your ribs, imagine like 360 degrees around the torso, opening and closing like an umbrella. The entire diaphragm is involved in each inhale, expanding. You feel even the back expanding and the spine and exhale everything coming in. And as you practice breathing like that, you slowly start to build more awareness of the core of your center of your sense Mm. of self, the sense of trust, where you want those muscles to build. That's where you want to move from. That's where you want to have that connection of like your belief physically and like metaphysically as well. And you create more space. And if we can start to feel physically that space being created within the body with our breath, then we're starting to get to another level of feeling ourselves like on an even deeper It's like, okay, Mm -hmm. I feel those like the spine opening up a bit as I'm breathing. Then maybe the next time you have an injury and it's around the shoulder, you'll start being able to bring breath there. You'll start being able to bring breath from anywhere from the bottom of your feet to the top of your head, which might sound crazy, but this has been studied and the studies on this are absolutely incredible. Um, Also breathing in and out through the nostrils increases nitric oxide in the body. So nitric oxide allows your capillaries like your blood vessels to relax and it also um stimulates blood flow so if you're there's like i know on the market for people who work out a lot you can like take nitric oxide like supplements Hmm. um but you don't need to like you create nitric oxide by breathing in and out through the nostrils like quite intensely like I got some breath works that could be a little bit more like hyper in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then how you can know if you're nitric oxide deficient is if you're feeling chronically fatigued, if you're not really physically active person, but there's heat in the body, like sweating in weird places, like discomfort like that. Um, yeah. Low energy. I said um, stress can decrease nitric oxide And it just makes you feel like alive and alert, brings like the blood back to the face and all over the body and also like relaxes the nervous system and it touches on that vagal nerve as well. I love that. I love that so much. And it's just so much of what we need is already inside when you're talking about people buying supplements for night. Is it nitric oxide? So it's like NO, NO2. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. It just reminds me that we have everything that we need, you know, for the, for the most part, aside from clean drinking water and and nutrients from food, but really we have everything that we need and your guidance in my experience just reminds you of that. And having worked with you and having worked with a therapist also, you know, within the last year or two, I just felt 
and this is not to knock therapy at all. I totally see a time and place for it. I've benefited from traditional therapy massively in my own life, but I've just felt like in therapy, talk therapy, I wasn't processing the feeling or the emotion through the body. I was only processing it through the mind. And I can be tricky, like with therapists, like I can control where the conversation will go, or I will not want to perhaps be vulnerable and expose my deeper thought or feeling in that moment. And so I won't. But when you're in the body and you're feeling and you're breathing, there is no way to escape that moment other than getting up and leaving and going and do something different, which you're not going to do when someone is holding you in that space. Unless, of course, you're having a trauma response in which you know, you have tools to, to deal with that appropriately, but doing breath work within this more therapeutic context has been so massively helpful for me because I can't bypass, I can't trick, I can't manipulate, I can't avoid. It's just about being with it in the body. And in our sessions, we would begin by doing a bit of that, that verbal check-in and talking, and then running through, running that through the body. So it's like the both and you're getting both of the pieces and not just one of them, because, you know, for example, let's say on the opposite end of the spectrum. So opposite of talk therapy would be a purely physical based practice, like a workout, which is great. When I go and work out in the morning, I don't think because my workouts are so hard. It's just 45 minutes of me not thinking and not feeling and just doing, but it's like, there needs to be that sweet spot in the middle where it's the body and the mind and not just one or the other. Mm, I love working with people that also um, go to therapy because then they have the language and the ability, like a little bit of the practice to put some words towards what they're currently experiencing or going through. And then with that, I love to pick out a theme and then use that theme for them in the breath work or in the meditation to start to physically start to feel something else. Sometimes I like to work with feeling first. Like Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, what do you want? I don't know. Okay. You don't know. How do you want to feel in the future? Okay. I want to feel safe. I want to feel love. Okay. Let's bring that in and start to get your body to feel these things first. Mm -hmm. And then we can start to almost like grow outwards and label like steps to get there or whatever it is. Totally. Um, This also reminds me of how I like to view this wraps into like new year times. Well, uh, manifestation. I write down a lot for myself. You can only manifest what you are. Mm. Only manifest what you are. So if we're, if we, I'm going to use love because it's an easy example. If you want to manifest love, but you're feeling you don't have that, like you don't feel love within your body. So you, for yourself, and it's not like you have to love yourself first, whatever, but like you have to um, express the energy that you want to attract. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. So if you're waking up in the morning and you're rushing and then you're like, your mom calls you like, oh, I can't talk to her today. And then it's like this text, like I'm really busy, but I really want love. I want love, love. Versus if you wake up in the morning, you're like, mm. I get to make my tea today. Oh my God, my mom's calling. I can't talk for long, but I'm going to tell her, hi, mom, love you. Happy New Year. <laughs> like whatever. And you start to live in this way. It's like your own unique expression of love. So it's not, I, when I say the word love or any type of feeling, I find um, it's really important for me to emphasize that nobody feels love the same way. So you learning how to express love in your own way, it's so unique to you and it's so special to you. And that is the type of love and energy of love that you will attract. Totally. Um, And I body that. I totally believe that to be true too, because if it, it really comes down to worth, it's like what, what do you believe you are are worthy of? And if you if you don't know how you love or how you want to give love to yourself and to other people, then you might mistake someone's, I'm trying to think of another emotion similar to love. You might mistake someone's lust for you as love. And then you get yourself over and over again into these situationships or these relationships where you're mistaking someone's lust for love. But it's also because you're not clear on what love is for yourself. And perhaps you're not clear on how 
how to really and deeply, truly love yourself so that you can start to recognize that in other people and when they're ready to give it to you. I mean, I can't even list the amount of times that was a tough lesson for me to learn in my early twenties was because I didn't know how to fully love and trust myself. I was just taking breadcrumbs from people thinking that that would be enough. But it's like, I was only ever feeding myself breadcrumbs of self-love. And then when I did find someone who loved me so fully and truly, it was almost overwhelming and scary for me because I was like, well, I don't know how to do and be with this emotion on my own. And now you're giving it to me and I need to push you away a little bit, actually, because it's, it's too much for me because I'm just not in that energy of true, pure love. And so... It's it's really interesting that that idea that you need to be with the emotion and, and know that emotion in yourself before you can accept that from someone else. Mm, yeah, because the brain also doesn't know, like, if you're feeling something, the brain thinks that's what's happening. So mm-hmm. like, you're like, if I'm just sitting here in my room, and I'm thinking about, I don't know, something that stresses me, I swear. So yeah, go for like, it. Like, <laughs> the fuck out. Like, <laughs> I don't know, whatever it is for you. I'll do my example. Let's say I have like a really busy day tomorrow. And I'm just like, oh my God, am I going to wake up on time? Nothing. I'm not in danger. I'm in my bedroom. <laughs> like I have everything I need. I can actually not even do my day tomorrow and I'll still live and still be fine and be like safe. Yeah. Um, but you can start to feel that feeling of distress, right? And your brain then thinks if you go right into sympathetic and you might as well be chased by a tiger right now. Um, but sure. you're sitting in your bedroom in thought, experiencing this feeling, experiencing an emotion. Mm-hmm. So if we, through breathwork or meditation, um, which is just the tools I like to use and they're familiar to me, can start to bring in the feeling of I'm safe or I'm at peace, or I like to even use, like, I like to picture a lot of things. So like, we'll go into like what this new life will look like, what, who, what part of you shows up there? What is this job that we're trying to like what that you want to get to one day. Like if you start bringing those feelings in to your body and into your mind, even just sitting in your room, your brain doesn't know the difference between actually experiencing it versus just feeling it. And then you'll start, you'll start to create these new connections of belief. Mm-hmm. Cool. It's really fun. It makes me think of the saying, you need to see it to believe it, but it's more like you feel need to it. feel it to like believe it and, and in order for it to actually manifest into truth. And I just think what an amazing experience for someone who hasn't felt safety or hasn't felt love or hasn't felt trust to be able to start to experience those feelings in a really deep way and safe way uh, within the container of these sessions that you do, because it's just, they'll experience that within themselves. And then eventually they'll experience that within their relationships. And then eventually that will just be a regular part of their life where they're like, wow, I just feel safe and I feel aligned. And I didn't even know this was possible. And I just think it's so important to highlight that like, like healing is possible, you know, and like you can change your mind and you can change your physiology. And it's, I've changed. I'm on like no medication anymore, which is insane. If you knew what I used beyond 10 years ago. Wow. Um, like I'm still so grateful that I still have like a in case puffer that I haven't used in almost like three years now. Yeah. Um, and I think it's great that we need doctors, like we need like, sure. it's like they're angels, but we also need to understand to have this connection of like our own body and our own life and understanding like pre, like how to take care of ourselves preemptively before something really like sparks or like jumps up that we need to like go see a doctor for um and part of that is just like being in tune and understanding like how you're feeling what's changing like what do I need mm-hmm. and I just want to like plug people into like themselves and just mm-hmm. like, feel that and when I feel like when people are plugged into themselves I'm like doing this to my stomach so hard right now you how you know if you're there it's like you're not outsourcing you're not like should I do this should I buy this purse or that purse should I go on that trip should I quit this job should I text that person back like you know the answer yes. you don't need to outsource you're not indecisive and if you don't know right now you know that you will sleep on it and you'll know tomorrow yes um, like take your time and it's like feeling that type of connection to yourself where you can answer every question that comes up for you from you. It's like, 
it's amazing. It's everything. I love that. Yeah. Not outsourcing your own power and your own strength and your own intuition, like just trusting yourself and, and building that trust in yourself through these practices, which so many of them, of course, you know, when, when someone's guiding you, that's a paid service, but so many of these practices are free and you can start to play around with them and implement them on your own. And, and I'm sure, you know, and you have, I know you do this, you recommend people do that in between sessions because it's like, you can only do so much work with the support of someone else until it's time for you to do it on your own and be like, okay, let me get, let me trust that I can get into my own body and connect to my own source of power. And I have people who can help me get there, but I also know that I now have the skills to do that on my own. Totally. And then I love when people do it on their own because it allows, sometimes I won't meet with people for like a month, like in between mm-hmm. sessions. And if they're practicing things on their own, and when we meet again, like we can go to another level. Like, yeah. Them. And like, versus just staying on that first initial level of like, maybe we're still just talking about the physiology. Maybe we're still working through the one emotion that's kind of been stuck in there, keeps coming up in different ways in your life or the same trigger. But if you're processing that and keeping awareness on that on your own, and I know it sounds like hard work and like coming from someone who has, I've been my own guinea pig in this. It is hard work at the beginning, but it's so worth it because eventually you get to this place where it's, it, it's not as hard. Like you feel your trigger and then you have this awareness around your trigger. You're like, oh, this hurts. This sucks. But I know where this is coming from. I'm going to like move, remove myself from the situation. I'm going to create a little boundary here, which may just mean I don't answer back as much. Or maybe I leave the room because I don't want to be confrontational or I call someone who's going to remind me of who I am and like all the things I love about myself again. Like you have this awareness and the, the time you experience like friction, it just gets shorter and shorter. It's still always there. Like it still always exists. It's life or human. We can't control like everything that hits us. Like let it hit you again, experience all the emotions, but like let them surpass. And like, when you start to have the tools to understand how to be present with them and how to honor them, even like difficult emotions and then allow them to move on. It just, Oh, it just feels so good. Like that's the peace. The peace isn't peace. It's being at peace with like everything that happens. Everything. Totally. It makes me think of this quote and I heard it as it pertains to the yoga practice specifically, like the physical asana practice. And it's, it doesn't get easier as you advance, but it gets better. And I think the same is true here too. It doesn't get easier to be triggered. It doesn't get easier to be really angry. It doesn't get easier to feel really depressed, but you have better coping mechanisms. You have better tools. So you can navigate these, these emotions more clearly, succinctly, efficiently. And, and that's what makes it better. It doesn't mean that we don't ever feel sad or angry. We don't become void of feeling through these practices. In fact, the opposite is true. It's like, we might feel anger even more intensely, but perhaps for less, for less period of time. Um, or maybe for longer periods of time, but in a really healthy and and well-managed way so that it's not causing harm to ourselves and other people. And yeah, so much there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So much harm has been caused from people's emotions just being out of check. And I think these practices are just, are just so, so beneficial for so many people. So many people. And the more I work with people, like we all want the same thing, like the exact same thing. Like it all comes back down to the roots of wanting to feel heard, mm. wanting to feel loved wanting to feel seen no matter what your gender is, no matter what your life experience is. Like we all want that. And mm-hmm. that's usually where a lot of our pain stems from, and whether it's in childhood or as we grow more into adults and we experience people reacting to us that triggers our, or, so like how I understand triggers is you're reacting to something in the present moment that happened in the past. Mm-hmm. So um, an example briefly, I'm just going to think of one quickly would be, if somebody chooses, let's say someone asks a question and you're in class and you raise your hand and the teacher's, and you say an answer and the teacher's like, not quite, but um, close. 
So really that response, it's neither here nor there. It's pretty neutral. They're just saying, okay, almost, but let's see if someone else has like the full answer. But let's say back at home, you were always yelled at for not doing everything exactly right. And if it wasn't a hundred percent, you were punished or you weren't allowed to play a game or you weren't allowed whatever it was. So in the moment in class, the fact that you didn't get it a hundred percent, right. It just really triggers you and you feel like I suck. I'm not, I'm dumb. I can't be here. I'm not as smart as everyone here. I'm not worthy. And it's like, you're reacting. Do do you see what I mean? Oh, totally. Totally. It's so funny this morning. I was trying to clean my coffee grinder and I accidentally dumped all of the coffee beans out. So literally coffee beans all over my kitchen and living room. Like they've just exploded everywhere. And in the moment, my reaction was just like, I was just like stopped for a second. And then I laughed. And then I was like, wow, that's my reaction now. After having done, you know, 10 plus years of work, because before my reaction would be, you fucked up. You made a big mess. This is bad. You need to clean up immediately. You know, like negative self-talk because so many people are punished and and not just from my parents and the education system and whatever else for making an accident. And I could just see it for what it is. I was like, oh, that was really dumb. That was just like a dumb, silly accident. And it doesn't mean anything about me. It like mean anything. And it's such a disservice when we're taught, like when you do an accident or something like fucks up, it's like bad because then we grow up into these adults that are afraid to fuck up and we're afraid totally. to try new things. We're afraid to put ourselves out there because yeah. especially as an adult, like adults are seen as like, um, if you're an adult, you have to do everything perfectly. Like perfection is expected from adults yeah. versus from kids. We let them fuck up a little bit more than adults, but as an adult, you're trying something new like you're not supposed to be perfect at it. And I was actually uh, writing something the other day um, that Julia Cameron, the author of The Artist's Way, reminded me of this. And I just thought it was so beautiful how as an adult, if you're drawing something or like let's say you want to draw, you want to practice drawing for the first time and you show it to a friend and you're an adult, okay? (laughs) Not like a child. You're like, oh my God, it's amazing. I'm in tears. And like an adult comes to the picture. You're like, yeah, okay. Like, it's not that good. And it's like, not that good compared to what? Not that good compared to someone you know who's a famous artist. Not that good compared to Picasso. Not that good like, you studying art for 10 plus years. Like, you're comparing somebody's step one to somebody's step 15. Oh, totally. And And that happens every day on Instagram because people who have been, let's say, you know, studying music for their entire lives or studying art, practicing art for their entire lives, they post this piece or share this song that is literally decades in the making. And then we get down on ourselves for not even being able to do, you know, a little piece of that. And it's just like, we're seeing people's finished product. We don't often see people's process and the process Mm -hmm. is where so much magic happens. And that's where we develop our sense of selves. And I just like, I want to use that as a reminder for myself. I want to share more of the process with people um, because there's just so much wisdom in the process and so much gold and because we don't see it enough. Yes. It is the gold. Like, oh, I love that you said this. I love talking about process and process and purpose. Like it's all together for me because like, let's say you want to have like a roaringly successful business. Okay. One day, poof, you have it great. Like who fucking cares? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I have clients. I have this, like whatever, like the point is the process. Mm -hmm. Like you're learning so much about yourself and it's just so fun. Like, okay. And even like a smaller example, like going to the gym, I want abs, whatever you go work out. Well, let's say you just get abs. Like who fucking cares the whole process of getting there. It's like, okay, I'm get a coach and then I fail and then I start to climb a mountain and then I don't make it all the way up and then I meet a new friends and I get married and then I have a child and then I keep going to the gym and it's like this whole process. Yeah. And that's what makes it worth it. Yeah. Totally. That's what makes it worth it. Cause just proof the abs. Then it's like, well, then you're just going to want the next thing. It's just going to be the hungry ghost. The next thing. And it's kind of empty. Um, Like it's, it's void of like soul and like passion and you and like all the trials and errors. Like totally. And I feel like for me specifically, sometimes I can find myself getting a little resentful 
towards people who I feel, you know, and again, this is all judgment and perspective, but I can find myself getting resentful, resentful towards people who don't have to work Mm. as hard as others for money specifically. And I've had to do a lot of rewiring around that because money only has the value that we give to it. And the truth is we live in a world where we need money in order to live, to buy groceries, pay rent, whatever. We need the money, but it's like the people who just have the money and never had to work for the money, they don't value the money they'll never value the money the same way as someone who had to really work for it. And so, although I can find myself being a little resentful of the person who doesn't need to work and can just chill on their yacht and like live their best life, who doesn't want that? I just remind myself, like I, one day when I'm living a financially abundant life, I will be so grateful and I will value my money so deeply in a way that you just can't when it's just a given, you know? Seeing and being triggered by those things are so important because our triggers are our compass. It's pointing you towards the direction, how you want to live, like what your values are, how, what are you going to be like? How are you going to express this like abundance when you have it? When mm-hmm. you have it? And I said it twice because it's like, I'm still working on the acceptance of like that being a possibility for me as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we're, yeah, being triggered by that, is I think it's it's great because then for me if I see something I really like if I see like a beautiful house or people like experiencing life and like a whoa I go okay you know what I want some of that it's like a little like manifestation totally project like I would like some of that please thank you um did you hear that universe like some (laughs) and then I go back into like what are my core values like what version of myself like how would I express like myself in that version of like experiencing Mm -hmm. life like where will I give money how will I like value it where do I want it to go how will I use it will I save will I donate like then I'm like okay like let's actually play with this let's write out what this like dream or like life may look like and then in all of that making sense it's almost like another way of like feeling it Mm -hmm. and like calling it in a little bit um for yeah. sure only saw things we like agree with it'd be re- it's 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 more difficult for that to be a way to like I don't want to say like a lesson but it just like forces us it like when you see something you don't necessarily agree with it's like oh I don't agree with that and it's like oh like what do I value like how's yes. that is like, yes. and and it reminds me of what you were saying at the beginning of this episode and it's that everything that we desire already exists in, in, in some, in some way, right. That law of physics, it's like energy cannot be created nor destroyed. Like there is a world in which I, I do have great abundance and, and that world and that life is now. And then therefore, how can I express abundance in my current circumstances? So I'm already abundant. And it's like, I don't need to have piles of money to, to be in the energy of abundance, but if I stay in the energy of abundance, perhaps piles of money will come, you know? Yeah. Um, wow. So it's just so beautiful how all of these teachings really weave together. Mm. Yeah. It's like, it's like a belief. Um, this is kind of funny. It's reminding me. I just started watching the King of Tulsa on. I think it's on- oh, okay. Matt's and- watching it. I okay. haven't seen it's it. Like mafia, whatever TV show. And my point of bringing it up is like, he comes out of jail, spoiler alert, but not really like you can still listen to this and watch it. He comes out of jail and he's just like incarcerated for the past 25 years. Mm-hmm. And then he like goes to the town of Tulsa and he's like essentially start all over. And there's this like one scene that ends. He's just like looking out the window of this like motel and he's like, like Tulsa, you're mine. And it's like, he believes in himself so hard. Yes. Also his, like, I believe him. Like, yes. my dad were watching, like, the only difference between people who make it that big, not like mafia, like, you get my point. Yeah. People who don't, because we all have the same goals, pretty much. We all want money. We all want to do, like, some sort of work in the world. We all want, and like, in the end, like, it's so similar. So then if we all have the same goals, what's the difference between people who achieve them? And the people who don't achieve them, and mm-hmm. it's the belief that mm-hmm. you achieve them. It's like For sure. you, it's like this constant, just like straight shoot belief of like I'm gonna get there. 
And I deserve it. And I'm worthy of it. Yeah. Um, without question. Yeah. That's the difference. Totally. And like all these tools, like the breath work, the yoga, the meditation, it's just like a continuous practice of giving yourself the reminders of that belief in you, like mm-hmm. over and over and over again through everything that you go through. And just to stick on the path of you stick yeah. on the path of like what you want, which is subject to change based on what you learn and how you grow, like let it change, please. For change. sure. Like, the one constant of life for sure. Okay. I feel like this leads us to kind of the last question that I want to ask you for this episode. And I think it will tie everything together really lovely in a really lovely way. And that is what does living an aligned life mean to you? What does it look like? What does it feel like? Answer the question any way you feel called to. What does living an aligned life mean to me? It means that I am not living in a way where I'm doing anything with the energy of should. Mm. Um, So if I'm answering a question of like, okay, like I should go to that dinner. I should call this person. I should travel here before there because I said I would. I should finish writing this book because I said I would. Anything with should, trash, (laughs) trash it. Love that. Um, it's a waste of energy because it's not honest. If it's Mm -hmm. a should, it's not a fuck. Yeah. And if it's not a fuck, yeah, like it's not aligned and then it's not for me and I don't want it. (laughs) I love that. And what a great reminder, because there are so many things that we all think we should do. Mm -hmm. Right. And unless you actually want to do it, the energy going through that action is not the same. And then the results will not be the same. It won't be the same. And it'll still be that, like, that emptiness within that action of like, mm-hmm. you're not fully connected to it. Cause it's not really something you wanted, or maybe you just don't understand why you want it. And like something really simple. What I mean by that is like, you wake up in the morning, like I should brush my teeth. And yeah. it's like, no, I'm going to brush my teeth because I want to be healthy and I want to live a life where I'm taking care of myself. Like this is a ritual of like cleaning. So mm-hmm. I'm ready for the day and I'm excited for the day because X, Y, Z, like I'm a fuck. Yeah, I'm here. I'm showing up for the day. I'm showing up for me. Like you showing up for my teeth. I'm showing up for me by showing up for my teeth. I love that. <laughs> it's a really simple example. And you can like change if you're like, okay, maybe like, is this should energy? Then ask yourself, why do you want to do it? Or why you don't want to do the thing. Like, what does it mean to you? If you're like, hey, this is boring. I don't even want to talk about this. Then don't even do it. Like, you're not yeah. connected to it. Just floss. Cool. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love that. It's funny. I have such resistance to flossing. And it's like, I need to do a reframe around the flossing, right? Because I often be like, oh, I should floss, but I don't actually end up doing it. But it's like, there needs to be something more. It's like, I want to floss because I want to take care of my dental hygiene so that I can eat all of the delicious foods that I love for as long as I possibly can throughout my life. Yeah. yeah. I want to live and share as long as I possibly can through like, mm-hmm. the like, uh, I do things. That's agreed. Agreed with that big time. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming onto this podcast. We're wrapping up at exactly 333, which just feels ah! like a blessing. So thank you, Ruthie, for sharing your wisdom with us. And why don't you tell people people where they can find you? Thanks, Sophie. Um, you can find me right now on my Instagram, which maybe I'll change the name soon, but at ru underscore R U underscore rude Rude. or just email me rm dot my last name shvalbe s-h-v-a-l-b-e at gmail.com and i'm always in my emails awesome i'll share both of those in the show notes below so people know how to contact you if they're interested in a breathwork session which i highly recommend (laughs) and again thank you so much for taking the time and and sharing these these just truth bombs with us today it's so appreciated That was fun. Thanks for having me. Love. My pleasure. Love you. Love you.